This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back for another week. Minor League Baseball is the show before the show podcast. Welcome in, everybody. Really, really exciting week. Really exciting show we got coming up for you today, wherever you are, wherever you may be tuned in. Welcome in. My name is Tyler Mon. Out in New York City is Sam Dykstra, episode number 21 and number two for Sam. What's going on, Sam? Hey, uh, I, I kind of want to yell blackjack. Right? That's how it <laughs> works for an episode 21. That's the mindset I'm in. Uh, yeah, so welcome to the blackjack episode. The blackjack episode of this show, not Jack McDowell. Um, yeah. but I believe is still check McDowell still coaching in uh, pioneer league. I got to check that uh, out. Cause he was with Ogden last year. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how quickly we just run off the rails on a Tyler Mon <laughs> just a complete this, tangent. This Ogden Mark. I Raptors. like this. That's all right. Good to be remembered for something. <laughs> so welcome into the show. We are extremely excited for today, uh, because we had some huge news in the world of minor league baseball in the world of baseball and in sports in general. And, uh, topic that is going to be a big one for us today it'll be later on in the show we're going to dive into uh, pioneer league all-star and top star david denson of the helena brewers who came out this week uh told the milwaukee journal sentinel in a fantastic story by tom hodricord that he is gay uh and publicly announced that this week had already told his teammates but came out in a story this week nationally we are going to be talking with major league baseball's ambassador of inclusion billy bean and billy will join the show coming up a little later uh in his second year now as the ambassador of inclusion for Major League Baseball and could not be more excited. He was there uh, along step for step with David throughout this entire process. So we'll talk with Billy about what that meant, what all it took, and uh, and just what the reaction has been so far, um, especially from a guy like Billy who dealt with that throughout his entire career. He was gay and did not announce that publicly while he was a player, and that really ate away at him throughout his career. So we'll get his thoughts on everything, but huge, huge news. Uh, and I mean, really, really excited to get a chance to talk to Billy. Yeah, and one of the great things about this, too, is I think um, a lot of people don't necessarily identify um, with this story because, you know, we got a lot of comments, you know, when we put out the story initially, which was who cares? Um, what what is in the undertext of that is like, what does this mean? What, you know, and all that, that kind of stuff. And that's what right. we'll talk to Billy about, you know, what exactly this means, how big a moment it is for the sport of baseball, for sports in general. Um, and w- where you know the sport will be able to go forward from here for uh, LGBT inclusion and uh, hopefully what it means for David Denson and his story going forward. Very, very exciting news, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. But first things first, we're going to dive right in with three strikes for episode number 21 of the show before the show. As always, by the way, you can find us on MILB.com as well as on iTunes. You can rate, review, and subscribe to the show there and give us your feedback. You can send us an email, podcast at MILB.com. Questions, thoughts, comments, whatever you want to talk about, you want us to talk about on the show, just let us know. But strike one for this week, number one, Byron Buxton, the top prospect in all of minor league baseball, who made his major league debut obviously and saw some time out of action for the minnesota twins this year but he is back now he is healthy and what we are seeing from byron buxton now at the triple a level sam is very eye-opening yeah we kind of uh, touched on this a little bit last week when the uh 
the Twins announced that they were going to keep him there at Rochester after giving him a, a relatively short technical rehab assignment. You know, they want him to get the playing time, what, it, what he's kind of missed this year and missed, uh, obviously, a lot of time last year. Uh, but he's really hit the ground running. He has hits in all of his 11 games with the Red Wings so far. Um, he hit his first home run on Sunday, and then he had a walk-off hit later in the day. It was one of those exciting days where literally it seemed like everything was working for him. Had a little bit of a scare when he hit, went like he does, you know, 100 miles an hour in the outfield and hit the outfield fence. But he uh, he came back up and did, was able to get that walk-off hit afterwards. Um, so far with uh, Rochester, it's an 11-game sample, so take it for what it's worth. But it is exciting what he's done so far. He's hitting 404 with a 440 OBP and a 532 slugging percentage. Obviously, that's exactly what the Twins wanted to see out of him. And, uh, yeah, th- this is his first taste, technically, of AAA action. Um, he didn't get to do that when he first jumped straight from AA Chattanooga to the Twins. Had a little bit of struggles in a, another 11-game sample in the majors, hitting 189 down there. So it's good to see him come back from injury and show off all of the tools that we've known he's he's had but now we're getting to see them at the uh, minors top level yeah one of the things that we've talked about before with byron buxton his weakest grade of his five tools on the 20 to 80 scouting scale from mlb.com mlb pipeline is a 60 for his power tool he is an overall 75 graded prospect i mean that's all world but i want to read some names to you sam uh just to keep in mind as we talk about byron buxton and what this means for him as far as this season and what we can expect to see carlos correa chris bryant francisco lindor addison russell joey gallo miguel Elsino, Lucas Giolito, Archie Bradley, Noah Syndergaard, John Gray. Those are the 10 names that followed Byron Buxton on MLB.com's top 100 prospects. Those are numbers 2 through 11 uh, at the close of the 2014 season and coming into 2015. All of those guys with the exception of Lucas Giolito, have made a major league impact of varying degrees at some point this season. Carlos Correa looks like a runaway winner for American League Rookie of the Year. Chris Bryant has had flashes of absolute brilliance. Francisco Lindor has been the same way. We've seen very good stuff out of Joey Gallo and his limited time up at the major league level. Archie Bradley obviously has been thrown off with the injuries and that kind of stuff, but Noah Syndergaard is an ace in the making. They've got 75 of those on the Mets staff, and John Gray looks to be the same way. So those names have all come up. They've all made their impacts, and yet the top prospect in baseball in this year of the prospect, year of the rookie, is the guy we haven't seen yet. And that is really exciting because Buxton's been held back by injuries. We know all the stuff he suffered last year with the wrist uh, that he suffered in spring training. He missed a large amount of the 2014 season with a wrist injury, uh, then a hand injury that came up in the Arizona Fall League. So it's like we've been teased by this Byron Buxton five-tool package for a while. And now when you know that he has that taste of Major League Baseball already under his belt and he's this close, you start kind of salivating a little bit over what he's going to bring. Yeah, definitely. And I think we'll get a chance to see it again at the major league level here in September. Um, you know, still on the 40 man roster twins are pushing for a playoff spot. So they're going to want, you know, all the skills they can get, you know, right now they want Buxton to get playing time. So they're not obviously going to bring him up and have him just waste away on the bench. But when, you know, the Rochester season is over and he's done, there's nowhere else for him to play. He will get his time with Minnesota trying to help push them. And when I talked to him on Sunday, um, he was saying just how much he's itching to get back, but he understands the move. He wants to play himself. Um, so he, he could be a great addition off the bench as a speed guy. You know, he could be a late uh, game defensive replacement. You know, he, he's going to be able to run all over the outfield for them. Um, you know, this is not the last we have heard of him in the majors this season. And, uh, yeah, and thankfully for him, because I don't think that first 11-game sample left the greatest taste in his mouth either. 
Sam, let's move on strike to the Texas Rangers and the Boston Red Sox made some big promotions uh, just over the last couple of days. Outfielder Andrew Benatendi, who was the seventh overall selection in the 2015 draft out of Arkansas this year, is headed up to Class A Greenville in the Red Sox system. In the Rangers system, Nomar Mazzara, who is the second-ranked prospect in that organization, has made the move up to AAA Round Rock. So two guys, we talk so much about guys who have made the climb to the major leagues this year, but these are two guys who are you know continuing that path of minor league development. Mazzara, very good, 111 games with double-A Frisco, a 285 or a 284 average and an 800 OPS even. Uh, so far, Benintendi has been a revelation in what he's done for short season class, a Lowell, 35 games there, a 948 OPS, seven home runs. He seems like he's really showing signs of what the Red Sox thought they were getting when they took him out of Arkansas this year. I think a lot of people were surprised to see him go seventh overall with the, the talent pack that he brings but another two guys who are you know probably pretty quick risers he's just 21 years old and Mazar is just 20. Yeah the thing about Ben Benintendi talking about just kind of quick risers um, you know he, he has that experience as a college guy but the Red Sox don't necessarily have this uh, track record of they normally send their first rounders to Lowell you know no matter where they came from and get them that experience there and then they don't let they don't touch them you know they they spend the year in Lowell they get a little of that taste of Red Sox nation they're you know not too very far from Boston, um, let them get their feet under them and then maybe decide next year whether they get to go to Greenville or Salem or even Portland. Um, but with Benintendi, they are obviously seeing something that they really like. You know, he was a Golden Spikes winner at Arkansas, um, put up some crazy numbers there. He put together a 2020 season, you know, 20 stolen bases, 20 home runs um, for the Razorbacks, you know, was named the best college player. Um, there were some questions about what would happen you know, when he moved away from a metal bat, he's only 5'10", so he, he normally doesn't look like a guy who would fit the powerful package or a, a power package, but he hit seven home runs in 36 game, or 35 games excuse me, with the spinners. I think that was third most in the New York Penn League, so he brought his power with him. Um, I talked to him last week. He had a two-homer game. Actually, I talked to him right before we uh, recorded this podcast last week, and uh, he talked about it. It was a little bit of a, a struggle to kind of learn what it was like to transition from the metal to the wood um, just because there wasn't so much give in the wood bat. Um, but, you know, if he, if he did have those struggles, he didn't certainly didn't show them. He hit a 290 with the spinners, had a 408 OBP, 540 slugging percentage. Those are numbers of guys who it doesn't take very long to transition. Um, and as for Mazzara, um, you know, we talked a little bit a while back about what the Rangers had to give up to get Cole Hamels into their system. Mazzara was a guy they were able to hold on to. Um, and again, going back to Buxton, you know, we talked about what area, you know, what the guys Buxton is beating out uh, for top prospect. Uh, Mazzara, according to MLB.com, is the number two outfield prospect in baseball right now. Um, that's one spot ahead of Michael Conforto, who has obviously been a big addition to the Mets recently. Um, and he's one spot behind Buxton. His hitting so far this year has been fantastic. Uh, you know, 284 average with uh, the Frisco Rough Riders, 13 homers, 22 doubles. Uh, this is a guy who just turned 20 in April. So he's you know got uh, putting those numbers up over a full season at that age you know, in the Texas League is something the Rangers are very excited to see. And now we'll get to see him as a 20-year-old in the PCL where he'll even be younger and uh, see how he uh, swims there. 
Made the big jump to double-A last year at 19. He's going to be in triple-A this year at 20. Really crazy stuff. I mean, to see guys who force their way into promotions like these two is almost more fun than just seeing somebody follow the developmental track that's been laid out for them by an organization. When guys are that good that all of a sudden you think, well, they're not getting challenged at this level. we got to move them up. Those are some of the most intriguing and fun prospects to watch. Strike three, Sam. We're going to stay uh, in the American League East in the New York Yankees with Greg Bird finally at the big league level. A fifth-round pick back in 2011 and kind of a, a somewhat unheralded prospect uh, before his last few professional seasons. A guy who came into the organization a little bit more under the radar, but last night uh, made some noise, sparked a rally, and uh, we're recording on Tuesday. It was an 8-7 walk-off win for the Yankees over the Minnesota Twins. He led off the 10th inning with a double that kind of kicked his offense into gear, and eventually he represented the winning run in that one. But Greg Bird is a guy who brings a lot of excitement in the way that he can swing for power, uh, a big left-handed bat, plays a good first base. And again, we've talked somewhat about this, not quite as in-depth probably as we will at some point, but the Yankees have kind of turned themselves into one of those organizations that looks for these talents in the system. It's no longer just, well, the Yankees need somebody, they got to go out and trade, or they got to go out and find a free agent. Now they're seeing guys like Greg Bird. Greg Bird was almost a not a forgotten guy, but he was only really scouted when scouts went to watch Kevin Gosman at their high school because Gosman was the prospect. And when they got there, they saw Greg Bird and thought, man, this kid's kind of a stud. He was a catcher in high school. Uh, but now has really made a name for himself, and it looks like he's going to start seeing some more playing time in New York. Yeah, and to kind of build off what you were saying, just uh, in terms of the Yankees looking for help, I mean, we've seen Severino has been really good for them as a starter, and now all of a sudden, you know, he's a big part of their rotation um, going forward. You know, after you know starting the year in Trenton, Bird follows kind of that same path. Um, he comes. He came to the Yankees um, on a little bit of a hot streak. Um, in August, he was 15 for 41. That's hitting 366 with two homers, 10 RBIs, and 10 games. So they got they brought him up at the right time. Um, you mentioned last night's game. Again, we're recording this on a Tuesday, so this is Monday night's game. Um, he came in for Mark Teixeira after Teixeira fouled the ball off um, himself and had to leave. And X-rays were precautionary, or precautionary X-rays were negative but uh bird i think is going to be in the lineup tonight so he is providing a little bit of depth there um and what he brings to the table is what you said you know he's got a little bit of power to him um it's not tremendous power for a first baseman but it's certainly there um he has 12 homers in 83 games this year his career high is 20 which he did in a breakout year back in 2013 in charleston um but he's going to be a patient hitter you know he's going to get on base he's going to you know, he's always going to be about a mid 300 OBP guy, which is something, you know, any team would want out of that position. And he's going to play a, a fine first base, not necessarily the, you know, gold glove type, but he's going to handle himself there. And, uh, yeah, he's, he should be a, a nice addition in it for the Yankees down the stretch. And like you said, you know, that's somebody they got from the farm rather than from uh, training, making a waiver deal or something like that. A big guy, too. Six foot three, 220 pounds, and some power that looks like it's tailor made for Yankee Stadium in that short porch in right field. Plus, I'm very biased to both him and Kevin Gosman because one of my mighty three high school home runs came at their high school, Grandview High School. Oh, okay. So I thought you were going to say it came exciting. off Kevin Gaussman. No, that? no, God, no, I'm not that talented. I'm sure the kid <laughs> it came off of was, you know, he was probably throwing softball. He was throwing golf balls, and I was swinging a metal bat or something like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that'll wrap up Strike Three for this week, episode number 21 of the show before the show podcast coming up next we are very very excited 
for our conversation in episode number 21. Some big breaking news in the world of baseball this week. And Billy Bean, Major League Baseball's ambassador for inclusion, joins the show to talk David Denson and more next. We are tremendously honored for our guest for episode number 21 of Minor League Baseball's The Show Before the Show podcast. Billy Bean, Major League Baseball's first ambassador for inclusion, joins the show. Billy, welcome. I imagine it has been a very, very busy few days, but how, uh, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It has been a, uh, a busy uh, few days, and uh, I actually was just with the owners' meeting in Chicago before all this, so it's been a, uh, a little bit of a, a whirlwind, but uh, that's why we're here, and... and uh, Important thing is, um, is to make sure, at least with where David, you know, Denson's concerned, that we uh, have. Uh put him in a position to be successful with this decision. Well, Billy, let's talk about how this all came about, because four days ago, obviously, a story comes out uh, in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and in that, there are uh, a bit of, you know, storylines about how long you've been involved with this for David Denson. We know you talk to teams throughout spring training, and, and you're a, a face throughout Major League Baseball uh, to explain kind of what your position is to everybody and, and have players understand um, what exactly that means, and that seems to have caught the eye of David, and I would assume a lot of other guys as well but walk us through how this story unfolded from your vantage point when you first heard from david and, and how it progressed from there well i got uh yeah i mean i was in spring training this year that my my job really kind of expanded when uh, my boss uh, dan halem asked me to speak to all the general managers at their winter meetings in november and from there i was invited to spring training so i i was by about half of those general managers or team presidents and um, I had was on the road the entire spring. I probably talked to half the league uh, in the big league clubhouses, and, and uh, um, I had a pretty good relationship with a lot of – I actually played against or with 27 of the 30 opening day managers on a big league field. Wow. So there was – it just took a little while to uh, me to get re, you know acquainted with everybody. But, um, you know, during that process, uh, I – uh, I, I had not spoken with the Brewers, ironically, at least not at the time. And I got a text message uh, that was, uh, you know, a number I didn't have in my phone book. And, and uh, it said, hello, you know, Billy or, you know, Mr. Bean, which yeah, I could tell was someone young <laughs> and said, uh, my name is David and I'm a, I'm a baseball player. And I, I would, was really hoping that you would have time to uh, call me back. I would like to talk to you. And um, so of course I called him, you know, immediately and, and, uh, um, you know, I just listened. I didn't ask David any questions and he had a lot to talk about and he, he wasn't really, um, you know, he was a little nervous. I could tell he, he wanted to know what like my job was about and what we talked about. And then, um, you know, uh, towards the, you know, the middle of that conversation, he just said, I, I just wanted to tell you that we're the same. And, and I, had to heard anybody kind of phrase it in that way um and from there uh the door opened a little bit and we just started to talk and i i wanted to make sure that he was uh you know in a good emotional place and and um and i could tell and david's a great kid um but from that from that conversation um there was no you know decision that you know this is what i want to do he just wanted somebody to talk to and he it's hard to explain to people what it's like to, you know, hide your entire personal life from someone, especially when you have a public job and you go to the park and the guys want to know, you know, what you're doing, who you're with and 
um, it, uh, it can erode your, your soul quickly and you become a little um, distant from the other players, even if you don't want to be uh, because you're hiding something that you don't want them to know. And most times because of that, a player, uh, at least in my experience, you have zero fun in your life. You, you, you basically conform to um, the way it is for everyone else. But, um, and it's hard to, you know, keep a, a level head during that process. So anyways, David and I, we started texting uh, throughout the summer. Um, we usually talk one or, once or twice a week. And we talked about baseball, you know, 95% of the time. And uh, he would start to um, talk about the things that were frustrating him. And, and uh, I actually spoke with his parents, um, wanted to make sure that they um, could voice their concerns. And, and uh, when David was struggling at one point, uh, I actually went out to Appleton, Wisconsin, and I just uh, sort of quietly, I didn't tell anybody at MLB, um, I didn't tell anybody on David's team, I didn't, you know, talked to anybody. I just went to, to watch him play a couple games, took him out to dinner, tried to be a big brother to him and let him, you know, vent. And, you know, he really relaxed and loosened up and we laughed about a lot of things. And, um, and it, it really kind of cemented our friendship in a way that he knew he had somebody that he could rely on when he was going through some tough stuff. And, um, and as you know, these young kids, you know, he's been texting me, you know, nonstop for the whole summer. And, um, and then he had some setbacks. He got sent back to, uh, extended spring. And, uh, but once he finished there and went to Helena, things started to look up for him and he seems to, uh, be playing with a, a really, uh, solid group of guys and, and, you know, there was really less and less talk about coming out as much as he was being more feeling more secure and having an outlet. And I think at the very beginning coming out was really what he thought he had to do in order to just a young kid who has got a big personality and he likes to, you know, be, you know, festive in the clubhouse and have fun and, and, uh, and he was muted, I guess, in a lot of that ways, and it just wasn't fun. But as he was getting this opportunity and um, sharing that, I think that that primary goal seemed to sort of recede a little bit. And then just about three weeks ago, or maybe a little more now, um, amidst the, you know, the te- I mean, I would always text him, how'd you do tonight? You know, did you get any hits? And, you know, how do you feel? Um, you get your sleep? You know, did you get to the gym this morning? You know, a little, you know, just stuff like that. And um, he's like, you'll never guess what I did today. Um, and you know, I, I'm like, okay. So I called him. I said, I said, is everything okay? He goes, he goes, yeah, man, I came out to the whole team today. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. You by surprise. How did the, right? Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, I mean, this is David's decision. It's his life. I, I was not directing him in any way i i was trying to give him a a practical voice of reason and show him examples of good and bad um in a way that you know if david had five years in the big leagues and 100 home runs and is on the back of his baseball card this decision would have been a lot different but for me he's had his whole career ahead of him and i i was concerned that I want him to be judged as a baseball player 
And, right. you know, where the difference was, I was in my sixth season, and I, I was really playing the best baseball of my life when, when my partner died suddenly. And that was when I really started to, I just couldn't, I could barely contain my grief. You know, it wasn't really that I was gay. I was just broken with sadness more. And I would, I chose not to tell anybody. And that, that season was jacked up because of the, you know, the, the strike slash lockout and, um, you know, it was delayed and it was, you know, I was up and down a few times and it was just really, it, it, it compounded my absolute unhappiness. And, uh, instead of looking for, um, some support, which David has received for the last couple of years with the Brewers, and he had confided this internally to a couple of people who kept his privacy, um, which I think should be applauded. And, um, the Brewers have, have stepped, you know, without expectation of any of this. Um, and this, you know, personally where it makes me feel good when I going around and now teams see that, you know, you never know when something like this is going to intersect with, uh, you know, with your season and the Brewers uh, had prepared themselves accordingly and have been become a great example to the rest of not only baseball, but to sports. And, um, and also, you know, one of the things I think I'm the most proud of is that, you know, even at the lowest level of minor league baseball, um, David had heard about the work that I was doing um, and was hopeful that I would be able to come talk to, you know, wherever he was playing in the spring. And because of that, he reached out to me and it, it, because there has always been a fear that um, a lot of times with the work I've done over the last 15 years with, you know, bullying and, and, uh, and sort of raising awareness about how damaging uh, that can be is that I'm going to miss that call or that Facebook, you know, message or an email or something. And someone might be in trouble, you know, emotionally and, and thankfully, David was not in that situation. He's a very well-rounded kid. He's got great parents. Um, he's a big stud, and he—he, he, but he's young, and he is. Um, that was where I think the mentorship that I was providing. I was trying to have him understand that this is an interesting story only if he's wearing a baseball uniform because of the people that have come forward, the predecessors, there's many, many wonderful examples in the LGBT community. Um, but David, because he's the first active baseball player, you know, playing for, an, uh, you know, an affiliated team, um, uh, it was going to be news. And, and much like uh, Sean, Sean Conroy of the, the, the Sonoma Stompers, I put him and David together to talk on the phone months ago that is awesome you know i mean i wanted david to have someone that he could speak with and sean's the same way and and my job is to i wear many hats but one of them is to try to use my experience to put people together in healthy situations where i'm not advocating that every player any player come out if if coming out if you know making a healthy decision means just talking to one other player or your dad or your mom or your brother or your sister or your best friend that you know is going to allow you to be in charge of your decision, then to me, that's what coming out means. And it's different for every single person. And it's, it's equally difficult, um, but it can be equally rewarding. And, and 
the 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 part that the uncertainty part of this decision is I, I David's decision is going to probably be judged by how well he plays baseball. But I think regardless whether he's a top prospect or if he ever plays a, uh, a game in the big leagues or becomes an all-star, um, he feels certain that this was the best decision for him. And his personality, um, you know, it takes a lot of guts to be a professional athlete. You got to get up, you got to show up. There's no one carrying you, you know, up to the plate. And, um, and he's, he's, he's a tough kid and he's from a, you know, an area where he had to be good to, you know, when he was young in West Covina and, and, uh, we grew up not far from each other. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I have great confidence that he can handle that part. It's just a matter, um, you know, as a baseball player, he's got great talent, but he needs to learn how to be, you know, consistent like all great big leaguers are. And that, that's uh, what lies ahead for him. Right. And to kind of um, flip it on the other side, I mean, the most important thing is that David is comfortable in uh, hearing an interview with him, um, you know, that he gave with the Helena broadcaster, I think, yesterday. You could hear the relief in his voice, and that's fantastic. Um, to kind of look at it from the other side, is kind of the response of not only just baseball, but just kind of the world in general. Um, one of the biggest responses we got when we put up the story was a lot of people saying, who cares, which is in itself ironic, a lot of people taking the time to comment, who cares. But yeah. in, in your kind of role, um, how do you kind of respond to those people who say, does this matter? You know, should we care about this issue? I think if you lined up myself, Jason Collins, Martina Navratilova, Sarah Tuolo, David, and we would all say if, if it was 100% across the board, who cares, we would be the happiest group of athletes that ever lived because right. it's really all about what's going on in the field. And I think even though that sounds like a, a kind of a derogatory re remark, I don't, I think that's somebody who's like, you know what, we've seen this. It's time to, um, uh, you know, judge athletes for what they do on the, on the field or on the court or, um, but you guys know better than me, you know, there's a large p portion of our society or our fan bases that don't feel that way. And this, there, there needs to be, um, uh, continued education and an understanding of what it means to have acceptance for every person, I've written many articles for MLB.com and for, you know, other, uh, other publications um, that, you know, we talk about, you know, baseball has not only the most diverse group of, of athletes that's playing our sport, you know, culturally from Asia, from South America, um, obviously every corner of the United States, but we have a responsibility to every employee. There's 30 teams. There's, you know, seven levels of minor leagues under each team. We have academies in South America. Uh, we play, you know, the world games. We are, we are the ambassadors of, of, of society in many ways. I mean, the, the legacy of Jackie Robinson, what was acceptable, the way players talked about African-Americans in those days it's unbelievable in many eyes now, but that was a reality. And when I was playing, you know, you could call anybody a derogatory, uh, you know, those words on the air here, but, um, uh, and it was completely accepted. And, and, and to the, you could, you could, you know, feminize guys and you could, you know, every homophobia is completely enveloped in sexism. And, and the whole part of it is erasing 
you know, that that is acceptable because you don't know who's walking through the clubhouse. You don't know, you can't tell me that there's not a, a, a percentage of fans that walk through the turnstiles in every single ballpark in the United States that are not part of the LGBT community or that are Latino or African-American or women or people that are, you know, uh, dealing with, um, uh, you know, uh, in, um, emotional, whatever. It's an understanding that every player has a responsibility. If you're representing an organization wearing the privilege of playing, you know, maybe not major league baseball, but even for the minor league players, you know, this is something that what you say now, you know, when I was playing, I didn't have a Twitter account or a Facebook page where, you know, I could put my opinion. A reporter had to ask me or nobody knew. So it was easier to be for someone to be, to hide, you know, uh, you know, blend in and they could be racist or discriminating or, or hateful. But now, you know, you start venting your, your opinion and people are going to see it. Uh, Joey Castleberry made a comment about Monet Davis. This guy's a Division three first right. baseman right. with exactly. 75 Twitter followers. And within, you know, a half a day, he, he went viral calling her some unbelievably stupid name because she, he, he didn't like the fact they were making a movie about her on Disney. She's been one of the most heroic and inspirational, well-spoken examples of a young athlete, not only an athlete, for, for everyone in our country. And, and, and who's he to say, but people found, saw that. And next thing you know, he lost his scholarship. He's not playing baseball anywhere. And, you know, I don't want players to make those mistakes. They're so close to realizing their dreams and, you know, supporting their families and, and giving, you know, others a chance to uh, feel good about themselves and, and, um, and so it's just so much bigger than what happens in the, in the privacy of your own home or what your family picture looks like. It's, it's really the privilege and responsibility that you have, that I have, that all of us have to be a part of this sport and the simplicity of what a message of acceptance, which is what our employers all are mandating that we, um, that we stand for. Right. And the, to kind of look at the next step of this and, you know, David's coming out and people seeing, you know, generally the reaction, which has been positive. Um, you know, do you think this will lead to more players coming out? You know, him being the first person to do this while active, you know, will that be kind of start a trickle of this going forward? You know, I don't know. I don't know if that is the sign of success or failure uh, of the message. I don't know. You know, I know that athletes that I have heard for the last 15 years since I've been out have told me that they stayed away, that were LGBT amazing athletes, guys that are fitness freaks and, you know, have the ambition and discipline to have achieved many things, said I stayed away from team sports because I didn't want to have to deal with being judged. And now, to me, success means that a, a kid, no matter what, how they identify, because they do identify younger than we did because of the way the world is with information that they're going to follow whatever sport they love. And, and that, if that means it's going to take 10 years for, you know, it not to be an issue and someone is going to draft a high school kid who is out because he can throw 94 miles an hour and he's, you know, left-handed and looks like he could, you know, help a team win a pennant in five years. You know, those are the kind of things I think as a byproduct, um, we will see it happen, but that's not how my report card looks for me, you know, whether it's an A or an F. It's, mm. David is a unique case unto his own. He, if, 
if he carries himself in a way that um, inspires someone, then then that is such an accomplishment on his behalf. Um, I think, you know, we look at one example today. Jason Collins was an amazing example. He carries himself with grace. He's smart. He's generous. He's funny. He's a guy's guy. You know, he breaks every stereotype possible. Um, and then we look for Michael Sam to be the, the spokesperson of all LGBT sports. And that did not end up as, as, as a good story. It's been frustrating to see Michael's inability to uh, realize what he was he expected to do, I think. And, and I don't want a 20-year-old kid playing in Helen, Montana, to have to carry the sports message on his back. He's, he's barely, you know, been able to do it you know, carry his own jersey. You know, it's a, it's a tough sport. So, you know, I'm happy to be the guy that can communicate that. Um, but I, I just want, you know, other athletes to know that, you know, David was supported um, and he feels, uh, you know, he feels great right now. He can't wait to get to the park. And I think about how I was playing in total fear, man. And, and you know, he's a hero to me. I feel like I was a coward because I was afraid. I was afraid to talk to my own family. Um, and I just see that David has grain or gained strength from, you know, some of the, the, the positive examples and choices of others that came before him. And, and uh, you know, it's always good to turn around and look at the past and see someone like Dave Copay, who was in the NFL, brave, so far ahead of his time, Glenn Burke, you know, it, it, people didn't even know how to handle Glenn Burke. He was so far ahead of his time because he wasn't uh, uncomfortable with who he was. But he, 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 he was a victim of being that, that's, having that strength at the wrong time in society um, and being, you know, playing in the World Series. And, and those kind of things inspire me to stick with it no matter how frustrating it can be. Um, and, and wanting, you know, the, you know, to be the only gay person, you know, in a big league clubhouse 20 times this spring, um, you know, sharing a little bit about my personal life. Some days that was hard for me, but I walk in there and I think about, you know, young kids like Matthew Shepard or Tyler Clemente that, you know, one was murdered and one took his own life for different reasons of uh, being bullied. And, um, and I have enough ammunition in my heart to, to withstand that. So I, I just say, you know what, I'm doing it for them and, and I'm doing it for the future David Densons or, or the kids that, you know, just want to play college baseball that might be dealing with this. And um, if we can get the message out and coaches can start empowering their kids to think in a way that's uh, not hateful and stereotypical, then um, I think it will be worth all the effort that we've been putting forth. Billy, a couple more questions for you, and we'll get you out of here. We know you've got a, a busy schedule, but uh, for for this to happen in baseball, um, and obviously something you mentioned, Glenn Burke, and, and then throughout your playing days, um, this is a, a sport that both, A, prides itself on being uh, a pioneer in a lot of these social causes with everything that's been dedicated to Jackie Robinson, especially over the last 20 years or so, and, and recognizing his legacy, uh, Roberto Clemente, all these guys who, who broke down so many barriers. On, on the one hand, baseball is that. On the other hand, baseball is one of the most difficult climbs. I would think for this to happen and, and Sam and I have obviously spent a lot of time talking with minor leaguers and I spent a lot of bus rides as a radio guy in the minor leagues and there are a lot of kids who come from you know smaller towns or, or backgrounds you know in the south or religious families or, or places that might not be as accepting to somebody like David um, which makes it all the more amazing to me at least 
to see a kid come out in Helena, Montana at 20 years old in a rookie league clubhouse. Uh, but it's, it's not an easy environment to see this now happening in baseball, to see David be the first guy to take that step in affiliated ball. How proud are you of that in that the, the locker room culture, the clubhouse culture in baseball can be so difficult, but now this seems like a barrier that is ready to fall because it's, it's not an easy place to do that for it to happen in baseball. Now, what does that mean to you? Well, it gives me great optimism and, and, and belief in humanity where there has been times where I've seen, you know, other instances where I just thought, I can't believe <laughs> the way some people are willing to, you know, the, the effort and uh, investment that they have in, you know, perpetuating hatred and division between different kinds of people. And, and um, you know, that's where I see the great power of our sport and baseball can heal and bring communities together. Um, you know, I talk to other players and believe me, um, not every clubhouse is, is, uh, on the same page yet. So there's, there's work to do. And that's why, you know, what you're saying, it is incredible that David, um, felt that energy because I, I am certain he would have said no chance if, if he felt, um, and maybe the beauty is it is at the lowest level of the minor leagues because that means our generation, his kid, you know, there's kids younger than him on the team, 19, 18, 19 years old. They have grown up in a world that has been different from my generation where, you know, my dad, the way we spoke at the dinner table, the way he spoke to us, he was in the Marine Corps. I, he wanted his boys to be tough, and I was the oldest. And, man, he made sure that none of us were soft. And the way that he talked about that was, I think, the way the Marines talked to him. Um, and I don't think it means you're soft or you're a sissy if you're a compassionate man. You know what I mean? I, I don't think that looking at life from a, a kid who's, you know, starting line is different from yours uh, or the way he's raised or, you know, how he identifies uh, I think that shows great strength. And I, I think that that's the message that I want to continue to make, to have the players consider, you know, they may not feel like, you know, the LGBT conversation or, or, you know, talking about women in the workplace or how we treat each other and um, in our relationships, um, you know, what fatherhood is all about. I think it's all related. You know, when you talk about the responsibility uh, that goes with, uh, a privileged lifestyle. And so I, I guess to, you know, come full circle and think, you know, I, it just, it just shows that you never know. And David um, taught all of us something in the last week that, that uh, he does believe in, in, uh, in his team and his society and this sport and whether that plays out to, you know, to his advantage. Um, I don't think it really, uh, it, it's not going to be great. He's not looking at it as this is going to get me to the big leagues faster. He's looking at it as that he's going to be a better person, a whole person. And for that, then by product, he'll be a better baseball player. And, and now, even without him knowing it, he becomes an ambassador um, because people are going to be watching him. And that's the part I wanted to make sure he understood um, that, you know, other team guys on the other team, they're going to be talking about him when he comes up to the plate and, you know, there's going to be a lot of eyes on his back. And that that's something that how he carries himself, um, this will be probably the greatest challenge that he's ever um, uh, faced in his young life. But, 
you know, let's stay in the moment for a minute and just be uh, grateful that somebody like him um, – in the environment he was playing in to make this decision. Well, and one thing, too, that I know none of us want to short David is David's a pretty damn good baseball player, too. He's a 27th-ranked Brewers prospect in the organization, according to MLB Pipeline, so far this year in 46 games with rookie-level Helena on the Pioneer League. 735 OPS, uh, four homers. He was a top star for the Pioneer League at the Pioneer Northwest League All-Star Game. And also, he's a giant at 6'3", 254, so he kind of fits that profile of a big power bat from the left yeah. side at first base. So, David's yeah. a pretty good baseball player, too. I mean, it's not like we're just going to be talking about him for this because he's got a lot of potential in that bat and in the and in his profile at first base uh billy bean mlb's ambassador for inclusion billy i cannot let you go without asking you this question because i don't know if i'll ever have the chance to do it again so let me let me ask you this because i've wondered it for years uh after all of this hard work in your career and walking this road to make it to where you are at the top of your profession did you ever think that when you got here there would be another famous guy named billy bean in the same industry that you'd have to be confused with probably for the rest of your life yeah, well, you know, we played on the same team uh, in 1988, so he's no stranger to my life, and um, he's a great guy. I've, I've i spent two separate days with the A's uh, on his invitation this year. Um, you know, not only is he to be mixed up with anybody, he's a pretty good one to be mixed up with, but the great irony and the fun that we've had, he I've been getting his baseball cards, and he's been getting mine for the last 25 oh, years. Oh, that is fantastic. Yeah. But he's from San Diego. I played for the Padres. People would walk up to me and swear that we went to high school together when I was on the Padres. And I'd be like, no, we didn't. And they're looking right at me. And, um, and then, uh, you know, the, the joke was on him at the beginning because when my story came out long before Moneyball, everybody in the Bay Area was sure that he was me and that he was gay. And so he would be like, I'm getting crushed by these people, you know, that everybody thinks I'm you. And then I'm, I'm a gay, I'm married, I got two kids, you know. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, when Brad Pitt plays him in a movie, everybody in the world, even in the LGBT community, thinks that uh, I'm him. So it's, uh, it's, it's we're forever uh, intertwined. I wrote a great article, well, uh, an article that was picked up by Huffington Post uh, about four years ago. Um, about us being uh, confused for each other. And, and uh, you know, it, it keeps it light. I, I am humbled. It's, it's much like I remember being uh, when I was on the Padres, um, you know, I had a, a small group of uh, people that liked to watch me play, but uh, most of the fans, <laughs> that's who were on the road, they'd be like, hey, Beaner, hey, Billy, come here. And I'd walk over there, and they'd be like, could you go get us Tony Gwynn's autograph? <laughs> be like, sure, let me jump right on that for you. But, uh, um, you know, it's uh, – I'm not – I, I'm, I've been, uh, you know, baseball was never uh, delivered to me on a platter. I, I, it was a tough road. I earned everything I ever got in. Uh, I was never, you know, I never signed that giant deal. And, and uh, so if that's one of the, you know, the, the few things that make it uh, not only interesting, but uh, humbling, then I, I'm up to the task. And, and Billy Bean is a great, great guy. And obviously, uh, you know, change this landscape of the sport as far as general managers go um and a dear friend so it's all good 
Well, and a guy changing the landscape of the sport as well is Billy Bean, MLB's ambassador for inclusion, a major leaguer from 1986 to 1995. Uh, you can check out Billy's book also, Going the Other Way, which you can find at billybean.com and elsewhere. And you can also follow Billy on Twitter. He is at Billy Bean Ball. And, Billy, we cannot thank you enough for, for being in touch with us and for letting us take up so much of your morning. This has been a, a thrill for us and a really amazing story for all of us to follow. And uh, on, on your work, we all want to say thank you. And uh, this has been amazing for us. We can't thank you enough for the time. Uh, it's my pleasure to be there, and, and thank you for all the good work you guys are doing. So take care, and uh, anytime, anytime, I'd be happy to be back on. Major League Baseball's ambassador for inclusion, Billy Bean. Uh, Billy Bean, by the way, is listed on baseball reference as Bill Bean, which I did not know, and now I know. So that's something, Sam. We've all learned something here today. <laughs> Depending huge, on you know, what you want to say you've learned, that, that can be on the list. <laughs> a huge thanks to Billy Bean. Again, you can find him on Twitter. He is at Billy Bean Ball. You can also find – he writes a lot of cool stuff for MLB.com. He's one of the MLB.com voices. You can check out uh, some of Billy's stuff there. He had a column from the All-Star Game back in July. Um, so some really, really cool stuff that's up there. But, man, what an interview. And uh, to, to get to pick his brain and listen to everything that went into that, I think a lot of people probably assume – Billy helped orchestrate this for David Denson, and that was flat out not the case. David approached him. David kind of wanted to be comfortable, you know, talking to his family, talking to his teammates. As Billy said, this wasn't some big plan that David had of, oh, I'm going to come out. I'm going to be the first guy to do this. I'm going to do it with my my teammates. I'm going to tell them, and then it's going to be a, a, a public thing. This happened organically. I mean, this is something that Billy was just there as a support system for David all of this credit goes to David for, for blazing this trail. And it, what a cool thing to be able to talk to Billy about this. Yeah, that was really interesting just to hear how David kind of took the bull by the horns and reached out to Billy. I didn't know that Billy hadn't spoken particularly to the Brewers themselves. So for him to seek him out that way and the way he said, you know, one day I got a text from David himself just saying, guess what I did today? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't Like you said, it wasn't him guiding him there or saying, like, you have to do this. This was all David's initiative and um yeah that's that's certainly something i learned and hopefully you know everybody listening to has learned about this is just how much you know david owned this himself and uh, went through it his own way which everybody should I also love that uh, two things that Billy said. One, that when he got the text, it said, uh, hi, Mr. Bean. He realized that it was probably a young kid. And two, he said, you know, these kids, like, all he does is text me. Like, you know, like when he said, you'll never guess what I did today, Billy was like, I had to call him because, you know, when you're 20, you just assume everything happens over text. Like, I yeah. have this big story. I'll just text it out to you. We're all still just darn millennials. I think that's <laughs> what else we can take away from this. So, uh, again, I mean, the work that Billy does – is amazing stuff and to be there for david throughout this entire thing um we are also going to uh, have some audio up on milb.com it's up on the helena brewer site right now as well but there is an interview that helena did with david shortly after the story came out that's some really really good stuff uh that we'll link to you can find it we'll link to it on twitter and all that kind of stuff as well uh but go listen to it because david is a very mature kid a very smart kid at 20 years old to have the you know the the social wherewithal the personal wherewithal to be able to do this is incredible uh, but, you know, I think, Sam, like Billy said also, so much of the reaction that you see as who cares, whatever, I think a lot of us take as infuriating because to a certain extent you care a lot when you're taking the time to say who cares. But the flip side of that, as Billy said, is 
we want everybody to not care because that's how it should be. I mean, it should just be, all right, well, we're all human beings. Is David going to be able to hit 20 homers in the show someday? That should be the conversation. So I think one of the very first responses that I saw to Tom Hodricourt's uh, story, his tweet about it, the writer who did the story for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, was a guy responded and said, call me when he can help the Brewers. That's the reception that you want. That's the the baseball only we're going to judge this kid's career based on how he performs on the field that's what you want so i think billy really explained it well in that if me and all of these athletes of all these people who have gone this path before if we could all see a hundred percent of people saying well i don't know i mean is he going to be a good baseball player that's the win that's the report card as he put it yeah and that that was the interesting thing to me is you know i framed the question in terms of uh, will this lead to more people coming out and he changed the conversation that way which is good i mean that's something you know, something somebody like us is going to think is like, what is this going to mean next? He said, don't worry about that. Think about, you know, the day when we really don't care, when somebody comes out and it's not, it's, you know, at the bottom of a notes section of a, your Sunday column. You know, it's, it's there, that day will someday come. But in order for us to get there as a society, as a sporting world, you know, this has to happen first. Um, you know, somebody, you have to have somebody like David Denson just kind of, like I said, grab the bull by the horns and uh, take the initiative. And I, I think we're all thankful for him for taking that step. And uh, as you mentioned with that video, um, you can just hear the relief in his voice. Um, you know, you him talking about what this meant to him. And he's not going to give many interviews this week. I think that's the only one he's going to give um, while he focuses on the game as he should. Um, but you could just hear it in his voice how much this all means to him, how he gets to be himself. And, uh, you know, that, that should be the biggest report card is what it means to the individual player. The show before the show's 21st episode continues next. We're going to switch gears and uh, talk about a little bit of on-field promotional stuff and some more road trip stuff. Benjamin Hill will join the show for our weekly conversation with Ben. That's coming up next. <laughs> And with that, we're going to switch gears and welcome in another guy who starts with B. Benjamin Hill joins the show. Did you like that segue? I did, and there's only <laughs> one of me. There, there are no other Benjamin Hills. No other Benjamin Hills that we're aware or of ben in the minor Hills, league baseball. Or Benny world. Hill. Well, actually, there is a, yeah, ben, Hill. a Benny Hill. Yeah. <laughs> ben, uh, let's uh, uh, the Southern trip wrapped up, but the content is just like starting to flow from the Southern trip, and some really cool stories on sometimes forgotten members of the baseball world, Bat Boys. You met some interesting Bat Boys through the Southern League in Mobile and Pensacola. Tell us about uh, about these couple of stories coming up. Yeah, well, this is a pair of stories that actually um, both are from my trip to Mobile. I was unable to visit Pensacola this time, but a man tracked me down during the game, and he had found me on Twitter, and he had written me an email beforehand, uh, one Terry Williams, and he said, you know, I really want to talk to you because I believe I am the oldest bat boy in minor league baseball. So he was attending the Mobile Bay Bears games, but the team he works for is the nearby Pensacola Blue Wahoos. And uh, he's 63 years old, and he started as an usher during the team's inaugural season of 2012. And what kind of started out as some uh, joking banter with the team president, Jonathan Griffith, uh, turned into reality when uh, he actually was made the bat boy. And now a 63-year-old man is uh, retrieving bats and doing those duties for the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. And that's the kind of thing I like to cover. If someone's going to say, like, hey, I'm a sexagenarian and I'm a bat boy, then I want to write about you. And he, he said he, he's seeked you out. So how 
enthusiastic is he about being this, especially since it was kind of a surprise to him that he grew into this role. Yeah, he's into it. I mean, I don't. I know when he when he applied to be an usher. You know, he's retired, and he said that the reason he got into wanting to be an usher is because at the time he was caring for his ailing mother, and he just thought a part-time job like that, social outdoors, would be a good way to, you know, give him a break from that very trying work that he was doing. And uh, you know, during the interview, he said, uh, "Hey." You know, I'll be an usher unless you need a bald-headed bat boy. And when that came about, now he's really embracing it because I think, as one would, you'd think that would never actually happen. But somehow they gave him the job, and uh, he's doing it. You know, when I met him, he's not like a super enthusiastic man outwardly. He's not jumping around and yelling or anything like that. He's not overtly boyish by any means. But clearly there's a lot of uh, youthful enthusiasm in him to be a bat boy and to embrace the role. And uh, you're definitely going to get haters. The same way yeah. when you have a veteran on a roster spot and you just say, ah, I retired, you know, give it to the kid. I'm sure that people are going to say, like, hey, that's fun, cool, quirky. He's 63 and a bat boy, but give it to the kids. Well, and you have to have that youthful enthusiasm, too, that you talked about, because even if you're not a kid doing it, it's not easy work. I mean, people think, like, bat boys, oh, you show up, you sit in the dugout, you meet athletes, and you go get the bat between innings. I know it's even more grueling in, in the big leagues, but minor league bat boys show up at the ballpark early afternoon. They help prep the clubhouse. They get the coolers ready. They get the sunflower seeds, the gum, all that stuff. So they're there for hours pregame and then hours postgame. They help with the laundry. They help with the postgame spread. It's not just a... You you know, show up at 6.30 for a 7 o'clock game and you're done when the final out of the ninth inning is recorded. Yeah, it can be a fairly extensive job. I mean, obviously not full-time, you know, part-time and seasonal, but when you're on that job, there are a lot more duties often than people assume of just, you know, picking up a bat and running back to the dugout. And you're right. And he said, hey, it keeps me young. I said, does it keep you young at heart? And, you know, he took it literally and said, yeah, my cardiologist uh, <laughs> likes that I do it, so... You know, it keeps him literally young at heart. Yeah, teed him up for that one, I bet. Yeah. And then also when you were at Mobile, you talked to another bat boy this time for the Bay Bears. Um, You're going to be writing a story later this week, you know, when this goes up for that. Just kind of give us a preview of what your discussions were with him. Yeah, when I was in Mobile, that turned out to be my, uh, you know, my bat boy stop. I, I interviewed Terry Williams, the Pensacola bat boy. And then after the game, I spoke with Wade Vatican, who is basically a, a Bay Bears icon. He's 36 years old now, I believe, and literally half his life he's been uh, doing this. He's, you know, special needs, has had some health problems, um, you know, so the fact that he's even still doing it is a triumph, but really accepted by the players um, in that way where he's, you know, made fun of and gives it right back and really has that, um, you know, that clubhouse culture of joking around and camaraderie. Uh, I talked to his father at the game as well, Wade's father, and, you know, that's the kind of story you could overlook, but Wade can't drive, and he's been a bat boy, never missing a game for almost two decades. Well, how does that happen? You know, because his dad drives him to every game, and his dad was real quiet and modest about it. But I, I love those sort of things that you find in minor league ballparks, you know, these stories of quiet dedication and, uh, you know, the people sort of behind the scenes who, who allow these cool stories to happen. You know, Wade Vatican doesn't get to be a bat boy for 18 years and have it become one of the focal points of his life if his father's not bringing him to every single game. Talking with our good pal Benjamin Hill, who is back from his latest swing and has another one coming up through the Northeast. But we're going to, uh, before we talk about that, we'll talk about a conversation piece this week, which is on Cut 4 right now at MLB.com. And it is uh, this week's 
cut four featured minor league promotion, and it is a an attempt at a world record in Lowell, Massachusetts. Lowell Spinners, Class A short season affiliate of the Boston Red Sox. Ben, explain this one to us. Well, the Lowell Spinners, you know, old pals of mine, have given me much to write about through the years. Um, they've always been a fan of world record attempts, maybe not actually getting the record, but as you know, in minor league baseball, it doesn't really matter if you get the record. It just matters that you try and you get the publicity and the fun fan experience of trying. So one of the things they're doing this week, I believe it's on Saturday, is they're trying to have a simultaneous fist bump world record attempt. And the existing record is, I believe, 1,082, which seems beatable. Um, Obviously, 1,082 fist bumps would be 2,164 people. That's That's so much better math than I would have been able to do. Yeah, yeah, because you you cannot fist bump yourself. You can, but that will not count toward a record of (laughs) if you just pound your fist together. Guinness will not recognize that. Yeah, so the fans are going to pair off and try to do it. And it was based on a story that I wasn't familiar with. It was a local story, Sam. You're a... Yeah. Boston guy, so maybe you can explain. But this kid, um, uh, Fitzgerald, now I'm blanking on his name. Liam. Liam Fitzgerald became a viral superstar with the Bruins as the fist bump kid. Uh, he has Down syndrome, uh, was diagnosed with leukemia, and his story became very popular in the Boston area. So now the spinners are picking up on that, and they're having Liam at the game MC this fist bump world record attempt, and it all goes to uh, you know fist bump cancer. Or not fist bump cancer, because that's friendly but just flat-out bump cancer. Yeah, they're calling it bump-out cancer. Right now, this week um, in Boston, there's a lot of talk about cancer and helping eradicate it, and uh, K-cancer is what they're calling it. There's the Nesson WEEI telethon that happens every year. Um, It's one of the proudest moments of the city. Um, I'm a Massachusetts native, so I kind of get swept up in in it every year. And uh, Liam's kind of become a little bit of a folk hero uh, recently with the Bruins. You know, he's... There's been a couple games where he's sat by the bench, and as the team comes out, he just sticks out his fist. And thankfully, the Bruins, being the guys that they are, um, you know, acknowledge that and give him a fist bump every game that he's there. And it's been a kind of a little bit of a rallying cry um, around the team and around the region. And uh, the Lowell Spinners are going to, you know, do their part to, you know, let Liam come out and, uh, you know, kind of surround this event. Um, with the idea of helping to eradicate cancer in this big week that's uh, going to be you know, in the Boston area, eastern Massachusetts area. Um, so this is kind of swept up in that. Yeah, man, you ever need a, a boost in your feeling about humanity, go watch the, the vine or the gif of Liam sitting and fist bumping every member of the Bruins as they come off the ice because not much warms your heart that way. And it's, uh, it's a very cool thing. It's a very cool cause. And, uh, Ben, before we get out of here, we, uh, you know, are – a staff full of people who are addicted to clicking on various matchups between minor league things. That's what we've become at MILB.com. We all sit around we vote in, in uh, clash of the caps and we vote now in the Jersey joust. And uh, we're like coming down to the, the final stretch with the Jersey joust, which explain that to us. It's promotional Jersey, special cause jerseys for teams this year, but there are some prizes, some surprises on the leaderboard uh, going into this last home stretch for the Jersey joust this year. Yeah, I mean, as you guys know, with the Jersey Joust, it's a, a randomized matchup. So when you uh, agree to joust and pick your favorite jersey, you're just given a head-to-head matchup, and it's randomized from the, I believe, uh, is it 128 jerseys in the uh, in the contest? And uh, yeah, so you never really know who's going to come out on top in these kind of contests because the internet is inherently random. It seems like <laughs> in terms of uh, 
you know, who responds to things, what picks up steam. I guess that's not randomness. I would say hard to predict. Uh, right now, hey, we started talking about the Pensacola Blue Wahoos with the oldest Bat Boy. Um, they are actually winning this contest with their Guy Harvey jersey. And I wasn't familiar with Guy Harvey until I read about this jersey, but I guess he's a pretty well-known aquatic artist. He does uh, maritime scenes, marine life. And so they, the Blue Wahoos commissioned him, and I think this is a cool idea. They commissioned Guy Harvey to do a specific theme jersey for them, and it's of a Blue Wahoo, you know, darting through the water. Um, it's a great jersey. It hasn't gotten as much, you know, viral attention this year, so I'm a little, little surprised to see it, you know, holding, holding number one on the leaderboard pretty late in the contest. And number two is, I think, something we'd maybe expect a little bit more. But right now it's the Greensboro Grasshoppers with the We Are the Future jersey. They're one of the first teams to do a Back to the Future jersey um, this season, one of the first to announce it, one of the first to really uh, you know, push it out there. So I know that's been something they've been really proud of this year. And I believe they wore that jersey on the, uh, the day when they played the, the parent uh, Miami Marlins in an exhibition game, kind of saying, like, well, you're the Marlins, but we're the future. And a uh, cool way to tie in the Back to the Future theme. As a child of the 90s, I am just bummed to see, like, the Double Dare jersey and the Rugrats jersey and the Fresh Prince jersey. There, we're all – this is a – we're a generation of slackers, people who grew up watching those, because apparently we're not voting as much. That's true. And, and all those jerseys, with all due respect, are garish. <laughs> they are. That is true. It's not like you would buy one and just, like, wear it out to a movie. Like, they're all – come on. Although that being said, it, this isn't necessarily a '90s one, but I, I would wear the Lando Calrissian jersey that the Potomac <laughs> Nationals have for the rest of my day. Lando is checked in at number four, by the way. Well, yeah, that's, that, a good I mean, one. that's the reason I bring it up, just kind of scrolling through. But like it's it, there's like Ben said, you know, there's so many different ways to do these theme nights, and you know, Star Wars has been a, a popular one this year, as it has been you know lots of years. But doing a Lando jersey with Cloud City actually on there is just so original and so different that, you know, I, I fully embrace it. Yeah, that's the Potomac Nationals, and that's a good... I'm, quite honestly, not a very big Star Wars fan. Don't geek out over this stuff the way most people do. But that one really jumps out with Billy D. Williams uh, emerging from a cloud. Or not emerging, but uh, kind of hiding. Hiding behind a cloud. cloud, yeah. I'm willing to forgive what he did to Han in Episode Five. <laughs> I'll be that geek on the podcast. I haven't even seen it. I'd probably wear the Rugrats jersey. I'd do that. I'd wear the Frederick Keys Rugrats. It's at number 29 right now, but if I want to look like Chucky, I want to wear the Rugrats jersey. I'd wear that out of public. Why not? Well, hopefully, you know, Potomac and Frederick are listening to this, and if they <laughs> want to send us, we will, we will send pictures back. Yeah, we'll take some We'll take some show-before-the-show show selfies. Yeah, there we go. I'm not afraid. Ben, before we get out of here, uh, huge news, obviously, this week. Talked with Billy Bean about it, but uh, just some of your quick thoughts about David Denson um, of the Helena Brewers coming out publicly as gay. He told his, told his teammates uh, a few weeks ago, and the reaction has been probably about what I think we would all expect. But the, the greatest thing is hearing how positive his teammates were and then hearing how positive guys in the Brewers clubhouse were and, and Ryan Braun and Craig Council and the members of the front office there. And what was your thought? I mean, when this story broke, it was actually late. I was, I was off that night. I was at a wedding and I texted Sam and I was like, well, I guess we know what we're talking about this week. Cause it's, it's one of those stories that is transcendent. I mean, what your, some of your thoughts on, on this story over the last, you know, five days or so that we've had to, to finally kind of embrace this. Yeah, it's very significant news. And, I think my number one thought, um, I, I do think it's great that he is coming out within such a supportive environment, within Major League Baseball as a whole, within Minor League Baseball as a whole, within you know the Brewers organization and specifically his teammates in Helena, uh, most importantly. Um, 
but looking at this, you know, as we do make our livings on the internet and you know, running a website and writing for a website, um, I've been frustrated with the common response to this of who cares, why is it news, and I'm sure you guys are yeah. touch on that with Billy Bean and have a lot more to say about that. Uh, but I believe that that is a wrong-headed and ignorant response to say who cares or move on or I didn't come here to read about sex. If this was that something so unimportant, something that mattered so little, then it wouldn't be the year 2015 and for the very first time we're talking about a minor league player being gay. Exactly. And I have a feeling that anyone who has that move on, who cares attitude is not gay. And it's probably a straight white male who's never had to question uh, living a life that has anything but you know the utmost privilege. Those are the people who care the most. If you need to rush out and scream from the rooftops, I don't care. If you're making that effort, you're kind of showing how much you really care about the story. Yeah, there's hand. a huge irony in that. And exactly. It shows the sort of coded and socially acceptable ways in which bigotry and prejudice can still be expressed because I think people are now savvy enough not to just go right to the slurs, but to kind of express this, who cares, I don't care, why is it news, move on, is one, diminishing you know, David Denson and his story. It's two, diminishing anyone who's trying to follow in his footsteps. And it's diminishing you know, people who've grown up gay and homosexual in much more trying times who never even dreamed they might have the opportunity to live their lives publicly out. So don't be dismissive. That's all I've got to say. It's a very cool story. Uh, by the way, just as a note, we did try to get David Denson on for this week's show, and understandably, he's probably very overwhelmed with uh, the reaction and the, the media inquiries and all that. So he did say he's just going to play baseball for a little while, and he'll do some interviews later on, but hence the reason why we didn't get a chance to talk to David this week. But uh, a very cool story. Uh, he's on Twitter, by the way, but he hasn't tweeted in like three years, which is kind of a bummer. So I'm not going to plug his Twitter handle, but I will plug Benjamin Hills, which is at Ben's Biz, and you can follow the blog, Ben biz.mlblogs.com Ben, great stuff as always man we'll do it again same time, same place next week Alright, look forward to it As always, you can check out our good pal Ben Hill on Twitter. He is at Ben's Biz. Follow the blog, bensbiz.mlblogs.com. And uh, that's going to do it for episode number 21 of the show before the show podcast. You can follow Sam Dykstra on Twitter as well. Sam is at Sam Dykstra, M-I-L-B. I am at Tyler Mon, M-A-U-N, the last name. Uh, M-I-L-B is at M-I-L-B. You can rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And you can check us out on our sweet new landing page on M-I-L-B.com as well. We've got all of the uh, episodes archived and all, all kinds of fun like that as well and man like we don't even have like you know like we got good there's postseason races coming up on milb tv uh but you know there's no more all-star games wrap that up <laughs> david like, denson yeah. by the way top we're star for the pioneer league yeah, yeah we're like you know we're in that last stretch now the regular season yeah well i would say just to kind of wrap things up i think uh the blackjack episode was a hit right i uh, would say ben's uh, not a huge anymore hit. so I, i'm gonna be the one that's gonna have to make the you're pun. stealing the pun game I'm stealing the pun game that's okay Someone that was up. a good one that's a good one. I've been sitting on that one for a little while. Second. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> you wrote that down when you knew we were getting to 21. At right, some exactly. Point, I've been playing this out for weeks. <laughs> but our biggest thanks again to Billy Bean, uh, MLB's ambassador for inclusion, for joining the show today. And uh, again, we'll have the audio of David Denson's interview up on MILB.com. It's up on the Helena Brewers site right now. And, uh, it's a very, a very fun time for us to be able to observe cool stories like this. And uh, congratulations to David for what he's done. And, you know, a tough road ahead for him as far as baseball goes because being in the Pioneer League, he's had a good season there, but he's going to get that promotion again uh, to the Midwest League at some point, Wisconsin, where he struggled a little bit to start the year. So, you know, 20 years old, 
those are tall tasks ahead of you to try to hit for power, find yourself as a baseball player. And this is just really cool to see him doing this and, and being himself and being comfortable in his own skin along the way. So big thanks to Billy for joining us to talk about that. And uh, that'll do it. What else, Sam? Do we have anything else? I think that's it. I think we've that's uh, it. I think done everything going. we can. we got record time on episode number 21 of the show that's before right. the show. So Every- until next week, you guys enjoy watching some baseball. And we will talk to you next week. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.